Welcome to the Think Orange podcast, where we want to encourage and equip leaders like you who are investing in the faith and the future of the next generation. I'm your host, Shane Sanchez, and in this season of the podcast, we're talking about what it means to be more human and lead humans in the tension. We're so excited for you to listen to this breakout from Orange Conference by Leslie Mack. Leslie has served in ministry for over a decade. She started ministry as a worship leader in high school, and she hasn't looked back since. Leslie is a creative director, singer-songwriter, and communicator from Atlanta, Georgia. She's passionate about using creative direction to influence a generation to build a faith that is fearless in the face of deconstruction. Leslie is the director of high school strategy at Orange and spends her time creative directing, curriculum writing, and drawing astronauts any chance she gets. We can't wait for you to get to learn from her, so let's dive in. What's up? I'm Leslie, and I serve as the Director of High School Strategy here at Orange. And I'm looking forward to spending the next few minutes together as we explore some thoughts around experiences teenagers love to attend. And I was thinking that maybe we could just start by acknowledging the obvious, right? The fact that you already know that teenagers are busy. There are a million ways they could be spending their time, hanging out with friends, after school activities, homework, their jobs, that new show to binge watch, FaceTiming that one guy, vlogging and posting, and even at some point they have to sleep. So why should your weekly experience make the list of things to do when time is already short? Or, or maybe another thing that we already understand is that there are more opportunities for digital discipleship than ever before, which is awesome, by the way. So even if pursuing a relationship with God were top of mind for the high schoolers in your community, why should they want to actually show up to your program? Today, I mean, just do a quick Google, YouTube, TikTok search, and you will find millions of hours of sermons, Bible studies, online Christian communities, list of verses on any topic you can think of. I mean, you can literally learn about God in every flavor and any time length, any aesthetic and any denomination, all right there online. Or maybe one more thing to acknowledge would be like, okay, say they do show up to your experience and all of a sudden, you become keenly aware that the way you use the word experience and the way the rest of the world uses the word experience don't quite line up, right? Like your stage lighting and production value pale in comparison to the concert happening later this summer that they can't stop talking about, right? And your best stage game host is nothing compared to the augmented reality and virtual reality experience that Oculus and all these other platforms are offering in the metaverse. So, so what do we have that can compete? Hint, I, it's not hopeless. I think we do have an answer to that. But what do we do? Do we just not try? Well, we feel those tensions deeply, especially against the backdrop of wondering, will they ever all come back to my church? See, the good news is, despite the convenience of online experiences, students are still looking for physical spaces to show up to and to be with other humans in. We can all agree that digital connection will not ever replace the power of physical proximity. Take online school, for example, right? The convenience of logging into your school from your bed in your pajamas seemed way too good to be true, at least for the first two weeks. Then... Today, 
several studies, specifically one by the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, report that teenagers are suffering from loneliness at an alarming rate, and they actually prefer in-person experiences over digital ones. We might even say they crave them, right? There's several research studies out there, and they have found that millennials and Gen Z are the loneliest generations of all time. Psychology Today defines loneliness as the state of distress or discomfort that results when one perceives a gap between one's desires for social connection and the actual experience of it. Did you catch that? It's the perception of the gap, right, between the desired connection and the actual experience of it. And that should probably raise a red flag for us. If we're not intentional, according to this definition, your teenage humans can still be lonely even when they show up to your packed house ministry environments. So we can't deny that teenagers and all humans were made to experience life together in proximity. This drive to be together shows up in so many ways. I mean, it shows up in esports, right? People gather by the tens of thousands to be in an arena together to watch an online video game championship where they all could have watched from the comfort of their own home, right? The drive for connection shows up when we impulsively text a question that you could have easily Googled because it wasn't really about an answer, right? You weren't really seeking an answer. You were seeking connection and that person's unique perspective. And I mean, who is a nerd like me? Like how many of us have been on a Zoom or a video call where we tried to coordinate a high five with someone in another city just for the perception of human connection, right? A Zoom high five is not the same. And how's this for evidence of a desire for human connection? I was at a gathering recently where someone shared the findings from this musicologist, Bjorn Vikoff. And he said that singing worship songs together in the same room sinks our breathing to the point where it sinks our hearts as we begin to sing to God in an expression of unity. That just doesn't happen on Zoom, where the audio is always just like a split second off right? There's something irreplaceable about being in the room together. So what can we do? How might we reimagine our in-person experiences for teenage humans to emphasize and excel at the things that can only happen in person? Well, we first have to stack hands on one idea. Teenagers crave transformative experiences. And transformative experiences are fueled by consistent relationships. That means that the solution to better environments, it's, it's not going to be a program. It's going to be a culture. Here's what I mean. We are transformed not just by what we experience, but by who we experience it with and how those people help shape the memory of that experience. People matter in this equation. Researcher and scholar Tim Elmore in his book, Pandemic Population, reminds youth workers that one of the most important things that we can do to help build resilience in teens is to help that generation have a correct memory of what actually happened when they faced life's challenges. 
Because the truth is we all tend to remember things a lot more negatively, especially teenagers whose brains are still forming. It's going to take a culture of transformative experiences that are fueled by consistent relationships to build environments that teenagers love. I mean, consider this. Making the team matters, but it matters more who you FaceTime right after you found out. I mean, imagine making the call to your mentor who encouraged you to even try out in the first place and no one answers in that moment. It's pretty disappointing. Disappointing. It matters who was there when you graduated, got your first job, went through your first breakup, needed to process that fight with your friend, right? It matters who was there when you needed a ride to the most important game of your life. It matters who was there to take you to get fitted for your prom dress. I mean, think about it. Yes, things like spring break matters, but it matters more because of who you go with. If the goal is for each teenager we know to experience a love for God, a love for self, a love for life, and a love for others in a way that actually transforms their faith and their futures, then the one thing that never changes is the importance of giving every teenager a person and a place, a relationship and a place to experience that relationship. To create an experience that teenagers love to attend means to create an environment that emphasizes relationships. And not just any relationships, but relationships that offer physical and emotional safety. The stage lights don't matter if a teenager doesn't feel physically and emotionally safe to show up and be their full selves. Okay, I know, you get it. So let's move on. Here are a few rapid fire ideas and questions on how to reimagine your experience as one that teenagers would love to attend. First question is this, how might we change the measuring stick, right? This means that we may need new metrics for how we define successful experiences. The number of bodies in the room was easy to count before the pandemic, but now it might mean that small groups happening around your community become just as important as small groups happening on your campus. Or here's another question. I mean, how do we design our physical spaces to communicate and say, I love that you're here to teenagers, right? And I know we like everything we do is to say, I love that you're here, but how do we do that in a way that is genuine? Like maybe it means providing a phone charging station where they typically would expect someone to scold them and tell them to put away their phones. I mean, obviously with the right parameters. Or maybe another out of the box idea is if you're in a community, where internet speeds are slower in homes than they are on your campus, maybe consider opening the doors of your church and hosting an internet cafe or homework tutoring. Heck, pay a little bit extra and expand your Wi-Fi signal to cover the parking lot so that you don't even have to open the building, right? We know how easy it is for kids to find Wi-Fi. It's like they just flock to it. Maybe another idea to consider is maybe how might we support teenagers as producers and publishers? I mean, what that means is just that teenagers live in a world where they can create and customize anything. A study by YouGov reports that 71% of Gen Z prefer tailored experiences. Like companies like Coca-Cola, when they put names on Coke cans, or brands like The Function of Beauty, and they add your name to your specific shampoo formula. Apps like Cameo, allowing you to pay influencers and celebrities for custom messages just for you. I mean, they were kids back then, but now they're teenagers, and they have been building online worlds in games like Minecraft and 2K and Call of Duty 
community for several years now and have created entire empires and kingdoms. The question is, how might we provide opportunities for teenagers to customize, create, and then produce and publish their explorations when it comes to their discipleship journey and their spiritual formation? Another question would be, how can we offer a search function? Yes, a search function, right? In every other space that your student shows up to online, there's an option to search, to type whatever question or topic you have in mind and to be provided with a vast array of info in nanoseconds. So what happens when your browser histories make our students' questions and doubts feel more welcomed than our open doors? So how might we offer a search function, a place to ask unfiltered questions in a way that communicates God is bigger than your questions, and so you are completely safe to ask those questions here. Another thought to consider, how might we equip them to use age-appropriate tools? See, tools are a rite of passage. At some point, you became old enough to use the stove, right? Old enough to borrow the car, old enough to take an AP class. I asked a few of my teenage friends about experiences they had that they hated. They shared insights about experiences that babied them and didn't trust them to be thinkers or doers or intellectuals in their own rights. They complained about environments where everything was prescriptive and descriptive, but never experimental or invitational. Environments and experiences where they were either not given any tools or given tools that were too cumbersome and unhelpful. So how might we equip small group leaders with tools that they can give their students? The next question is this, how might we add mile markers? What I mean is consistent and repetitive experiences are great. They build equity and trust by proving to be reliable. And yet, how might we be strategic in places where teens can check their progress? I mean, I bet you've hovered your mouse over this video to see how much longer, at least once during this whole video. We're wired to want to know what's in the rear view and what's ahead. In a way, we're asking, when can I celebrate? Where can I achieve something? Where am I on this whole journey? I mean, think about it. Is a 12th grader any closer to something significant at our experiences than they were when they were in ninth grade? And if so, how do they know? Are there any just for fun rites of passages built into your culture? Special experiences or spaces that become unlocked at different points in the journey? Another question might be this, how might we create experiences that celebrate hope by creating moments for both play and pause? I mean, engage their five senses with an understanding that teenagers have a passion for play and adventure too. They're growing, but they aren't so grown that deep joy at simple things can still hit them in the right way. And the other side of that is, how might we engage their five senses with an understanding that researchers are saying that they are the most lonely and anxious generation too. How can we create pauses, like a pause without requiring anything of them? When's the last time you provided relief by just creating space to be? Not to concentrate hard on anything, not to ask for anything in response. And I have a feeling that your small group leaders might appreciate a pause every now and then too. Next, 
How might we reimagine the church's footprint to support relationships between trusted adults and their teenagers? I mean, one crazy idea I've had is what if we downsized auditoriums and converted parking spaces into podcast studios with portable buildings? Or maybe there's a way that you can use your church's footprint to champion parents by building strategic connection points between parents, teens, small group leaders. I mean, reimagine your parent carpool pickup line in a way that adds joy to your parents because guess what? Teens will see when their caretakers are in a better mood because of something simple you did for their parent. I don't know what it is for you or your context, but I think if we think of transformative relationships and experiences first, the way we allocate our treasure will be an indicator of where our hearts truly are. Um, Just a few more really quick ideas. Here are some other features to leverage. Considerations for elevating proximity and in-person experiences that just don't happen digitally. The first would be intentional eye contact, right? Screens are not designed to be the best eye contact situation. We've learned pseudo eye contact. I know when you're looking at me when you're not looking at the camera, but you're actually looking down. So maybe we have an opportunity to reestablish eye contact. Another idea might be to use sound intentionally audio levels, from experiencing silence together to listening to something new together other than the expected voices on a platform. Another idea might be to instruct intentional movement. Body language and appropriate physical touch are just one example, right? If you have students sit back to back to have challenging conversations where eye contact may feel too intense, that's an idea. Or maybe you want to take an intentional pulse check, an intentional check-in on the temperature and perceptions of the room, right? When you're collectively together in the face of a global or communal tragedy or triumph, take the opportunity to just check in. You see, if we fail to pause and reimagine the power of what proximity with teenage humans could look like, we run the risk of our ministries becoming the blackberry of meaningful experiences. What I mean by that is because BlackBerry didn't adapt, evolve, and change at the rate of human connection, it became obsolete. It went from being the most strategically poised to make revolutionary impact to an obsolescence of irrelevance. If we don't change our measures of what success is to realign with timeless principles and methods that matter now, we risk making ourselves irrelevant to the conversation of the faiths and future of a generation. But imagine if we take a moment to consider our humanity and the transformative relationship that Jesus invites all humans into, including teenage humans, then maybe just maybe our experiences become safe spaces teenagers love to attend. We want to thank Leslie for breaking down how we can create excellent environments. And if you like this episode, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love this review by Dawn. They said, I enjoy the variety of voices speaking the same philosophies. They're relevant to aspects and challenges that ministries are currently facing, and they bring insights to personal and vocational ministry that the daily task of ministry can benefit from. Thanks for the review. We would love for you to join us at Orange Tour to continue learning what it means to lead humans. So go to orangetour.org to save your seat for our one-day training event for leaders and volunteers in a city near you. We'll see you next time on the Think Orange podcast.